Hi, I'm Dee. And today we have a very special episode of Antiques Freaks featuring our guests. Hi, I'm Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paris. So we got Chris and Paris from Terrible Book Club. Our, uh, I like to think of it as our sister podcast. I mean, I think we're pod married, but that's, uh, fine. This, that's That fine. might be our, our pod husband. <laughs> we're pod common law Co- yes, Pod we partners. Common, we are common potted. I'm sorry for gendering your podcast. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, we are non-binary. We, you know, we're both, both or none or either or... Nice. Yeah, just keep just keep digging. Just keep digging the hole. We'll <laughs> just fall in together, oh, all three God. of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you for having us on. Uh, as you all may remember, uh, if you've listened to previous episodes where I have appeared or where Chris has appeared, uh, we're pretty stoked to be here. We love Antiques Freaks. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not just pod married, you know, for pod taxes or whatever. We're, we're pod married for pod love. So the pod we're pretty happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pie. Oh, yeah. Those big, big tax breaks and a great <laughs> you know, insurance we get. Yeah. You know what wonderful coverage we all get working in the podcast minds? Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm really stoked, uh, especially because Chris and I were very good. We were very disciplined. We did not Google the topic of today's episode after Dee told us. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, Dee was like, hey, do you want to do an episode about blank? And I was like, that doesn't even sound real. Yes, of course I want to do an episode about that. And so I'm I'm very excited. Very excited to, to learn. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is an antiques fraud episode. And it's yes. a wiggity whack story. As they cool. often are. Yeah. Antiques world is not known for being stable. It's true. What was the last fraud I mean, episode? It is, it is, it is, it's all old furniture, right? Like, old furniture really isn't that stable all the time, depending on how much care you put into it. So, of course, the whole <laughs> antique world Hey-o. probably needs a little TLC here and there. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Thumbs up. Uh, yeah, Chris, uh, if you could add a slide whistle to that in post. <laughs> sure. It's already in there. Yeah. So, I, I want to... So, are you going to reveal whether or not this is a watermelon sword so like a sword to cut watermelons or is this a sword shaped like a watermelon somehow or has watermelon designs you were more or less yes yes it will be revealed okay 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 i don't know if you want spoilers no 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 i wait with bated breath i think i prefer the the watermelon that's shaped like a sword. I know it would be terrible at cutting anything or like be of any use as a sword, but really I just want to eat watermelon and all the other things, the sword that cuts watermelon, I have to get a watermelon separately. But if I have the sword that is made out of watermelon, I got watermelon right there. Problem solved. That's true. Oh, that's true. I don't think Okay, okay. That was different than what I proposed. So now we have three options. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have no idea which one's coming. No, nope. I have no fucking idea. So please, I please. really want some watermelon, though. Yeah, me too. It's me too, man. Oh, uh, so we're going to set the stage. We are at Antiques Roadshow. Can you hear them? Can you hear them in the background, hustling and bustling? Yeah, I hear people desperately trying to sell something that they swear is valuable because <laughs> their cousin Larry told them that it was once in a deal that they made. But turns out, this is Susan B. <laughs> Anthony's sewing table. 
This is this a is... the let. This is a Princess Diana beanie baby that she hugged the day before she died. <laughs> she, she hugged it. Yeah. This is this is Prince Harry's Pokemon card collection. It's got a first edition Charizard and Japanese Mew in here. You'll never well. believe. Yes, it's full of those people. We got two characters on the stage: George Juno and Russ Pritchard the third. Uh, if you oh, if if you do, it'd be good if he's got a third in the name. You know, this is going to be great. Uh, you may know or you may not know. Uh, Antiques Roadshow often kind of gets guest uh, appraisers from around the areas that they're hosting the events because it would be yep. extremely expensive to have everyone on staff all the time. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So they are invited to the TV show to do appraisals, and in 1996, there is an episode where there is an appraisal featuring a Civil War ceremonial sword. Hmm, okay. Okay, all right. They determine that this sword is uh, very, very unique, very valuable, uh, probably a one-off sword presented to a Confederate general on the eve of a battle that hopefully he died in. Uh, we're taking a hard Question. stance on who we yeah. wanted to win the Civil watermelon War. battle. Hard, like, just the, uh, an army of watermelons trying to bowl <laughs> them all over is what I'm imagining. Question. Because watermelons are union men, as I, you understand. Yeah, I I didn't think the Confederate would have enough money to be granting ceremonial swords in addition to regular bayonets and, like, rifles. <laughs> like, well, that might be why they lost. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, too much money in the ceremonial ceremonial swords. swords. Yeah, the the ceremonial sword market. Don't don't invest. Okay, all right. So they so they so they believe that this is a genuine, historically, I I was going to say relevant, but like a genuine sword from the Civil War time period. Yes. Uh, Okay. And are they Civil War? Experts? They are both specific experts in Civil War items. They together own a business called American Ordnance Preservation Association. Or AUPA. (laughs) AUPA. That sounds like when I make a mistake in the kitchen with something hot. I'm like, oh! (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps you have just been stabbed with a watermelon-based sword. Oh, that's, yeah, it's the sound I make. Sorry, D. Continue. <laughs> I go, I go, mmm, because then I get to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so they go on the show, and uh, yeah, like we said, the gentleman brings up the sword. They are delighted to tell him that the sword is quite valuable. And for how valuable? $35,000. Oh, wow. That's a Steve, lot. the man who is having the sword appraised, is shocked. He is stunned. He tells them that what he actually used to use the sword for, once it was up in his attic, was to cut watermelons with as a child. Wait, he's cutting watermelons in the there attic as a child? That's a as a lot of activity. I have already have a lot of questions myself, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, it's a messy or- ordeal. You don't want to get that watermelon juice and watermelon sugar everywhere. Yeah, you got to let us know. So you want to do it in your specific watermelon attic room? <laughs> Makes sense to me. Just like Karnacki's room, his rubber room for his stuff there. He pr- Maybe this guy had a rubber <laughs> watermelon cutting attic. Who are you to judge? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. And the good news for Juno and Pritchard III was that their appearance actually drummed up a lot of business for them. 
they became known as trusted and expert individuals with high-end, extremely complicated Civil War relics. But there was only one problem. That whole segment on the show was completely fucking fake. Wait. Gasp. Wait, they staged it? They staged the entire appraisal. The sword was actually what it what, what they claimed it to be, was a ceremonial sword, was worth $35,000. It belonged to Russ Pritchard III. Ooh, this so, is a fraud angle I hadn't considered. Oh, so they did it just to get fame for their appraisal, like to get more appraisal work, you think? Or to just bump their business? To, just to bump their business. Uh, just to get more people to sell them their stuff. Why did the Antiques Roadshow let this happen, though? They had no idea it was happening. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. I'm Behind sorry. the scene, I, I they, they, they had. Were, <laughs> I thought they were in cahoots. I was like, oh. No, nice. no, they were deeply humiliated by this event, actually. Uh, although it would, the initial response was that uh, PBS asked them, "Hey, what the fuck with this?" Actually. Uh, when it was claimed that it was staged, and they said, well, you know how it is in Civil War antiques, everyone's out to get you. Like, we're being set up. This isn't what? real. What? Wait, wait, everyone's out to get you in Civil War antiques? They, he just, uh, George Juno described it as viciously competitive. Do they, is he confused? Does he think he's in the Civil War? Like, is okay. that... Is that what's happening? But like, okay, there's a difference between it's competitive and people are out to get me, right? Well, but... Like, <laughs> competition <laughs> is just something that occurs when there's multiple people selling things, but that doesn't mean that each other person is out personally to ruin your life because you can't sell something. Yeah, I, I'm confused about the competition angle. Does he mean that there are other Civil War you know, resellers of Civil War memorabilia who are in competition with him? Or is he, like, in competition with people bringing stuff to be appraised? Because... No, his claim was that... (laughs) His claim was that they were so good at selling and collecting uh, antique items that other people wanted were jealous and wanted their business to fail. And so it concocted this lie that the watermelon sword was never used to cut watermelons, and that Steve was not actually a stranger, but their friend. Okay, so the actual, to be clear, the actual fraud here is, it was a real sword, really worth $35,000. They had this antique that they could sell. The fraud comes down to, it wasn't actually used to cut watermelons at all. That's the lie. That's basic. (laughs) At its core, yes. (laughs) That's... That's well, the lie that's happening. No, right? I mean the second lie. The second lie was that it wasn't Steve's sword. The third lie was that they had all, you know, they had already appraised it, maybe bought it themselves, and you know, this was all orchestrated for promotional purposes, unbeknownst to the people who run the show, which was probably the fourth lie. There's a lot of lies. There's a whole matrushka. There's doll a here. lot of lies. It really comes down to just there was no watermelons involved at all in this. That really gets I, my go. Chris, and I, I conned I you. <laughs> it keeps happening. I keep being lied to. I just want some watermelons. That's Do you want I more want. lies? This will get worse. Okay. I mean, oh my god! Like, I, if oh it had started god, and stopped at the watermelon sword incident, uh, this would be a very short episode indeed. But the thing is, what happened after the watermelon sword incident made them famous, and what happened before as well. Uh, which okay, is, so are, are we? Oh, we're we're Tarantinoing this. We just we're got Tarantinoing. Now, all right, okay, I'm all fully right. Tarantinoing no feet, you. 
No feet, though. Everyone that, put your I feet away. I promise you zero feet. Fantastic. So, after after the, the episode aired, and one of the events that caused people to doubt the veracity of the appraisal was that they hunted down a major Samuel Wilson's great-great-great relative. He was a Union Army officer. And they cajoled him into selling one of Major Samuel Wilson's swords. They claimed that they were purchasing on behalf of the Harrisburg National Civil War Museum, which had two things going for it. A, purchasing agents for museums are actually very common when it comes to these large-scale deals. B, they did represent the Harrisburg National Civil War Museum. Sort of. They had done most of their business acquiring and selling to that museum. Having secured the the exclusive license to be operating as their buyers. The problem is wow. when they told the family the sword was worth $8,000. Now, <gasps> if you think that sounds pretty low for a sword that saw Civil War battle with impeccable provenance, you're correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially since I can remember a few minutes ago where you said they said it was worth $35,000. It's a different sword. Different I sword. I believe it was a but, different sword. Oh, I'm so sorry. It does send, I, it does send I, a precedent for a precedent, rather, for what these things are generally worth. You know, if yeah. one is worth 35000 it would be very strange for one to be worth maybe eight. Yeah, unless it was in really bad shape or well, something. Well, that one didn't cut any watermelons. Zero so watermelons. <laughs> unproven as a sword. No watermelon sugar on that shit. So you know it's less money. You want that sweet, sweet yeah, sauce. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the problem is also that they promised the sword was going to the museum they were buyers at. Which is what convinced the family to sell the sword. Right. And then the sword was sold (laughs) to an unknown private collector for $20,000. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Now I see where this episode's really spinning out into. (laughs) We just had the, the, the the, the first thing, the watermelon thing was like the SVU setup scene where there's like one dead body. And now we're discovering there's a whole fucking caravan. Yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, it's not just. It's not the first watermelon you see. <laughs> um, I I'm just curious as to like what happens when that family is like, oh, we went to the museum and we couldn't find our sword. Yeah, we talked what's to them the about plan it. No after that? Right? We it's like, oh, about. they had it in storage. We, well, we went, like, you know, six months apart. It, you know, they're really storing it up. They don't want... <laughs> yeah. They don't want anyone to yeah, look like at their what? very expensive sword that they bought to display. Um, can you come back in a month? Packs up and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just hear, like, a car peeling out of a parking lot. Yeah, that was... Clattering <laughs> with other Civil War swords, like, out of the trunk. <laughs> Falling out. Oh, oh, geez. oh gosh! Oh no! Um, um, um. These are my um, I'm a melon swords. I just use them to cut. Uh, I'm going fruits. to. A, I'm going to a cookout. Don't don't look at me. Yes, it's a really big cookout. It's the whole city. That's why I need all these swords and watermelons. <laughs> Sorry. It's right. <laughs> um, this would be small potatoes of a scam, however. They would move their sights on to a gentleman by the name of George E. Pickett V. Wow. Wow, we got a fifth, a fifth in up the in the house. Now, one of the very important things to know about George E. Pickett V is that he was a distant relative, uh, about five generations <laughs> suspected, from George E. Pickett, 
a Confederate soldier who was famous for beefing it wicked hard in a battle and dying. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he was famous for like dying immediately or like he led an extremely shitty charge and everyone died <laughs> and that is what he is absolutely best known for somewhat there's going to be a civil war buff who is angry at how much i'm crushing this down and you're correct to be mad at me but we're not here to talk about that you know <laughs> yeah but i will yeah, remind you that georgie pickett man. was a huge loser who did lose the war <laughs> just say it he's an incredible historical level loser <laughs> Four generations, and then like five generations of his family fucked other people, or maybe the same family. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, who knows? And now, and now we got George Pickett the fifth. George Pickett the fifth. Uh, very important to know about him, or I consider very important, is that he didn't use the fifth. He barely referred to himself by his last name if he could help it. In fact, he was bullied by school children who knew the history because of how shitty his great 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 grandpa was. <laughs> Dude, that's the worst bullying fate. It's, I've it's ever super not fair. Yeah. To a it's kid. like your great 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 grandpa fucked up a charge. They're like, haha, your great grandpa is a loser, so you're a loser. <laughs> he, too. Lost, like, he lost the Bro, civil I haven't war. done shit. Like, I, don't <laughs> I hope I hope George E. Pickett the fifth as a child was like, motherfucker, you wanna see a charge? And picked up a bayonet and just ran at the kids that were That would be Except that he also lost sweet. and they he just tripped over something and fell and they all pointed and laughed at him and he'd be like, ah you still can't charge five generations see, later. I would but then I would understand if they made fun of him for that, but not his great 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 granddaddy's failure. That's just stupid. Why would they yeah. keep naming the kids George Pickett after the first one sucked? You know how you make up for it. You know how you know how some people are about Civil War, right? I mean, you guys know why. Some people. Oh, you mean you mean uh, yeah? uh, You mean unchanging and racist and and (laughs) unforgivable? Yeah. Well, George George Pickett V was not like that. In fact, he very much, I would say, his disinterest in the history of his family went extremely deep. Uh, He liked to go to yoga and surf. And hang out with his family. Oh, sick. Uh, Sam generally seems like an extremely cool guy. Uh, his his engagement with the history of his family name was minimal. Not absent completely, but very minimal. Which was a problem. Sounds good. When Pritchard III rolled up with George Juno. Oh. Third versus the fifth. So, I mean, this is, this is Battle of Gettysburg shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so they come around asking if he ever thought about selling any of George Pickett the first's junk. Uh, and Pickett really didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> Pickett, uh, Pickett was just really kind of sick of his shit. And Pritchard kind of just hung around all the fucking time. Did he naturally live near him? Or was this... Uh, no. (laughs) He he lived fairly. They were both in Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania is a small country, so. (sighs) So Driving up to his house every other week, like, still want to sell? No. Two weeks. He he went to yoga with the man. (laughs) That's okay. That's a level of harassment. He went to yoga. He would watch him surf. He would help him do chores. Uh, He would help at construction sites. You know, he's trying to build a shed. I he would just show up. I, I 
just imagine doing a I downward dog and you're like you gotta let one go because I mean there's a lot of pressure building up in the gut and then the dude just pops up behind you. It's like don't don't want to sell those things at all. <laughs> trying to relax, dude. Trying to get into like my stretchy position. Just, you know, I can help you build a shed next week. I mean, think of all the space in that shed you would have if you just got rid of all that stuff. Look, man. Like here's here's the thing. How on earth was all of this harassment even worth a thirty-five thousand dollars sword? I mean, I feel like he could have been working, not traveling, doing literally any fucking thing else than stalking this guy for his fucking hereditary sword. Uh, no, this is not the. This is also not the sword family. Yeah, this is a different. Uh, it actually, also, it actually other, it remains no unclear at all. where the watermelon sword came from originally. Uh, th- I am so sorry. No, it's I, fine. I, I need. A- <laughs> I, so there's too many there's too there's many a lot of swords and swords and civil war people okay so the picket guy he has a bunch of this shit this is not a sword he just has a he bunch has of random shit, shit. yeah he basically other ephemera he has okay. he has a little okay. loot crate of civil war ephemera <laughs> okay i'm sorry continue and th- but this this worked uh picket ended up really kind of liking pritchard pritchard had the gift of the gab and more darkly as it would come out to come to pass, Pritchard had a plan. So the another of the extremely arduous frameworks that he was operating under was that again he was claiming to be looking for looking scouting these items to add to the National Civil War Museum, and that was actually true this time. Um, and he was in contact with the mayor of Harrisburg who had commissioned them to find these things. And there is a letter he sent to the mayor complaining that Pickett was a hard nut to crack. And including the phrase, I have quote, I have made extensive notes of the family's behavioral patterns. Pritchard wrote, and am working with a sales negotiating psychologist to help me with a strategy to achieve this acquisition. That's far. That, that's going real far just to get some Civil War ephemera. But I guess if you're like really desperate for an antiques payday, this is like the level of stuff that you have to go through. Just because if you can't source any other dude that's a five generation loser or something with all your great 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 granddad <laughs> stuff, you really just got to harp on this one poor bastard. It just seems really inefficient to me. I That's the thing that gets me the most. Like, you're putting so much effort. I mean, unless he suspected that this picket guy was sitting on some kind of fortune, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. Mm. Eventually, this... So he did, event, he did admit to essentially stalking this family, which I find chilling. <laughs> um, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, it did work. Eventually, Pickett just said, "Yeah, well, if it's for a museum, then this, you know, this will help with my kid's college fund." Despite having a lengthy family name, he wasn't rich by any means. So they go through the contents of a trunk, which is largely what they're looking to acquire, and they appraise the items. There is a general's kepi, which is a sort of ceremonial hat. What the fuck? A gold sash? Is it just cap? And they're just they're just saying it weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, lots of hats have weird names, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. 
but yeah, it's um that's what those you know those like conductor cylindrical hats that the Civil War people wore. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a kepi. Yeah. Ah, thank you. I've learned something this day. <laughs> so it, there was a kepi, the general's kepi, the general's personal kepi, a gold sash, a hand-drawn map of Gettysburg, a lock of his hair, and much, much more. A lock of the general's hair? Yes. True loser hair. <laughs> Real fucking this- loser hair. <laughs> this just feels like a, a missing scene from the power of the dog. I think I think the decade's a little off, but it it feels feels like that. Continue. <laughs> so Pritchard told told Pickett at the most he could pay combined for all of this stuff was maybe fifty seven thousand dollars, and if he was really strapped for it, a home computer. And a oh. new computer! Ooh, fun! <laughs> a real old <laughs> HP with, you know, 500 megs of RAM. <laughs> uh, in, a, in an interview, Pickett said, I said, is this all that these are worth? Is this really the best price? And Pritchard said, I can fudge it a little bit, but my reputation is at stake. I'm working for the city of Harrisburg directly for the mayor. Oh. Horse. Oh, I hate this man. Important. I hate him so much. <laughs> also important, fun fact, he did this deal in stacks of $100 bills from a briefcase like he was trying to buy bars of cocaine. This can't be... No. No. Yep, this is all court documented. Would, dude, if somebody was like, all right, I'm going to pay you now and bust out a briefcase and hundos, I'd be like, no, take it back. This is sketchy <laughs> as fuck. I would rather not. I would rather not. Okay, well, what's the uh, least sketchy way to, you know, offer someone reams and reams of cash in the tens of thousands of dollars? Um, a check from a bank? Yeah. <laughs> or from the institution? Or perhaps from the institution that you claim to work for? True. But cash seems fun, right? You get to open the briefcase and have, like, the <laughs> deal or no deal moment about it. Like, are you going to take it or not? You could take the... Uh, here's... Here's briefcase B. Maybe there's a personal then, computer in it. But then, like, all right, but then, like, you gotta take that to the bank, look sketchy as fuck, and end up on a fucking list somewhere. Like, I, that just sounds like I don't like think any bank gives than- a shit where the money is coming from as long as you give them money. <laughs> uh, Bankers, if you're differ. listening, please let us know. Yeah, would you be like, do you need to call, like, the FBI if someone walks in with a briefcase full of cash? <laughs> right in antiquesfreaks at gmail.com so Pritchard slaps another $5,000 in cash on the table and he says that's the best absolute best I can do coming to so we're at $62,000 $62,000 and okay. Pickett believing that these men represent a, a, a national institute and are top right. of their field says okay well it's better than not getting anything for it right now, fast forward. The items have been sold to Pritchard and Juno. Pickett is invited to an event at Gettysburg. Uh, apparently, they just go around finding the, the descendants of people who were involved in the Battle of Gettysburg and invite them to these uh, reenactment or historical society get-togethers to, to talk about how it feels to not care about your grandpa. <laughs> I, I yeah, guess. That's great. <laughs> Am 
I at least getting free watermelon out of this? Okay, I'll show up. <laughs> I think they probably got <laughs> some of that, yeah. I'll be there. So Pickett meets a guy, another expert, a, a historical expert in the Civil War, and he shows him a picture of the of some of the items that he had sold to Pritchard. Because it had never 100% set right with him. And so he happened to have an expert on deck, and he figured he'd ask, hey, out of curiosity, what would what do you think this original General's Kepi would sell for? And the actual expert said, probably $100,000 just for the hat, man. Oh, this is why you get a second opinion. Oh, no. And what's more... The expert said, that's funny, I have a copy of that picture, too. Uh-oh. And Pickett oh? was pissed, because this was proof that something extremely fucky had happened, because those photos were sent privately for restoration. Pritchard was supposed to keep uh. the, was supposed to keep some copies and return the originals. But instead, uh. he disseminated these photos for clout. <laughs> Just for the gram. Back when, when Just the he's doing it for the gram. Wait, but what year is this? This is ninety six. Yeah, the, before 90s? there was the gram. That's <laughs> yeah. This is before the gram. Uh, this is back when a personal God. home computer was considered an actual plus, <laughs> instead of just more electronic garbage to get out of your home. So Pickett lawyers up. He sues Pritchard the third, and he wins eight hundred thousand oh. dollars, which oh. it would what? turn out was what the pair sold his items for. Uh, actually, less. They sold it to the tune of $880,000. And not, uh, notably, not to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I'm assuming they dispersed it to random weirdos everywhere willing to pay a premium for a general's cap and a lock of hair. Basically, yeah. They were, they were finding the highest paid private collectors. That I can't let that go. The lock of hair is so fucking weird. It was why would that? <laughs> it's probably less weird. It was that. It was probably a keepsake he sent to his wife. Oh, that okay, got added to okay, the, the trunk of keepsakes. Would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I mean, there's no answer in this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't really. But that would be my Sorry. guess. Sorry. Yeah. 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 That that makes a lot of sense. I I think I was just imagining that this guy had this general's trunk. Just like his stuff, and I was like, "Why would you keep your own lock of hair?" Sorry, I was like, my mind was not in the right. Place. <laughs> such a, that's but, such a funny concept that he was just like, add some hair so that my hat won't be lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is very familiar. The hat is used to the hair, and the hair, the hat. <laughs> um, all right, so these guys fucking suck. So I assume that they were able to do this because this is like. You know, this is the internet age, but not really, like, super widespread internet. Like, actually, 96, is, I think, is the year that we got a computer in my house. Um, and so I can't imagine that even with forums and stuff, I just feel like something like that wouldn't spread quite as quickly as it does now. Like, if somebody was fucking somebody over with Civil War antiques, I feel like it'd be, bam, it'd be in the Antiques Freaks friends group two <laughs> days later. Like, we'd know about it on the pulse. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a huge part of the problem and, and how these people kept getting swindled is they had nothing to check this against. You know, like you were saying, the internet was very new. A lot of people didn't even know what to use, what how to use what was available. So right. they were they were basing this entirely on these dudes' reputations and working for the National Civil War Museum is a, a stellar reputation to your average person. Yeah, and the worst part is, like, I'm sure they could call the museum and they would be like, yes, they work here. Like, even if they did that, because technically they did, right? Technically they yeah. were reps for them. And also, you even wouldn't in even that know case, where oh. to get that second opinion that it's not like you could just Google Civil right. War professors exactly. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pickett only got to find out because he happened to get invited to an event where there were other experts. He There's a timeline where he never knew. Uh I mean, the plus is that he did win his suit. Uh, they did have to pay back the 800000 This is not the end to their crime. Oh, no. I was going to say, did we get, like, a just nice wrap-up and, like, there's justice in the world for once? No. Well, we'll see. Well, you said you said Pickett lost the lawsuit, No, right? he won. No, no, he uh, won. no. Pritchard lost oh, the lawsuit. It's, it's, oh. it's complicated. They got really similar names. Uh, Pickett won the lawsuit. Pritchard okay. and Juno Pick were forced man. to pay back Pick the eight hundred. Okay, right. eight hundred men won thousand dollars. Did they actually pay him though, or did they have to like have their fucking shit garnished forever because they were assholes? Uh, from what I understand, I uh, it, it's actually really difficult to access that information. There was a large lump sum followed by garnishments because they they had uh, they had like liquidatable assets, so they were kind of forced to sell and fork the money over. I guess that's fair, yeah. If you've got a warehouse full of fucking grifted antiques, I'm sure you can afford to pay it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the grift don't stop, and it don't stop coming, and it don't stop coming. In 97, Pritchard visits the descendant of Major General George G. Meade. These people need to get on a registry. Like, (laughs) absolutely. If you've got got a Civil War relative, you got to get on the list. Like, if you see these assholes, call the next person in the tree. Like, this is... we got to <laughs> get this going. This made a Warn lot of families fellow. really hesitant to deal with with museums after this. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, and also just the, the terrifying idea that there's a man hunting down my family because of our name. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. All right, but what they do to Mr. Mead here... So they were looking at, at the general's ivory gripped presentation pistol. Uh, <laughs> hilariously, like, uh, you're doing he a PowerPoint, killed. and you're like, as you can see on point two, kablam! Yeah, uh, it's just ceremonial pistols that that people give you. I believe this was directly from the gun manufacturer to say, like, we we love we love the Confederacy. Oh, good. So ceremonial swords and ceremonial pistols and ceremonial hat. Do they just have ceremonial versions of all things? Ceremonial underwear, ceremonial socks. <laughs> like, how far down does this Confederate ceremonial items go? Like, how? Uh, a fair everything. question. I, at this point, I really don't know what generals even did. Apparently, they just a got stuff. Just a they got stuff and died. <laughs> yeah, they looked really ceremonial until they fucking died. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> Supposedly, I, I cannot attest. I, I was having a lot of difficulty verifying this historically. Uh, supposedly, General George, Major General George G. Meade, died a couple of days after they gave him this gun. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, Confederates lost. Sorry, get over it. So they approach him, saying that they want to buy this pistol. 
They say this saying, well, you know, we do represent okay. the Harrisburg National Civil War Museum. This is, a, this is a lie they use a lot. And in truth, they were sent by the mayor directly to try and finagle this particular item. Now, a Civil War gun. How much do you think that goes for? Okay, uh, let's price this right. This Paris, Paris. Yeah, you and I got to price right, this well, right. Sword, this uh, Bob, is I'm going to bid um, fifty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Okay, uh, you said ivory, so I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna say three thousand one thousand one dollars. Oh, okay, eighty thousand. They offer eighty thousand and one. 184000 for the pistol. Oh, Paris, you are the next contestant on Confederate Prices, right? <laughs> Damn. You get swindled oh, out of your money. <laughs> That's all we do here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's what I deserve for being on Confederate Prices, right, anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> so. Wow, that's inter- a lot of they, fucking they, money, though. They buy the pistol for this. They. <laughs> So this one's very funny. They write a letter to the mayor of Harrisburg who sent them to get this gun saying, well, it's so sad. He didn't sell it to us anyway. The family didn't want to give it up. And they sold it to a <laughs> to a private collector for $385,000. So, so, okay. All right. But to keep this grift going, they have to sometimes give the museum things that they ask for, right? Because they can't every time be like, oh, we tried really hard, but we couldn't get the sword or the gun or the hat or the hair or the ceremonial fucking socks. Like, sometimes they have to be delivering yeah, very much so. items to um, the museum, right? The, th- the theory is mostly that what they were doing was okay. when the museum wasn't offering them enough, they would sell to a private collector. Oh, I see. So it was purely based on the like headhunting yeah. price for the but, item, and if they felt like it wasn't enough, then that's those are the ones that they would then. Yeah, if they felt like they got a hunch that they could get a private collector to fork this over, and the best thing about private collectors, especially in Civil War antiques, because they're not wrong, it's an extremely competitive area. Uh, private collectors don't ask a lot of questions; they don't want to know how you got it. There's something about that I really hate. Like, I really hate that there's a hotbed for fucking, like, Confederate ephemera. Same thing with, like, Nazi shit from World War II. People are all about that. They're so hot for that shit. It's like, they just want to, they just want, it's like, because I think, I feel like it's like a really, you know, people feel like it's a really safe way to have, like, a connection with something bad, you know, or, like, something historic. (laughs) It's just fucking stupid. God. Yeah, it's, uh... It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to come, I know that there are people who are interested in the Civil War in good faith, but y'all got to admit you keep bad company. Awful loser company. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, like, I think a lot of people who genuinely do just love history know damn well that what we are saying is correct in some areas. So, okay, so all of this came out after the 1996 Antiques I almost said Antiques Freaks Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> someday. I hope I live. Someday. I, hope I, I speak live that into being. That. I plant that seed and I will oh. see the harvest. Antiques <laughs> Freaks Roadshow. Yes. Um, Get out of PBS. Crystal, right, the opening theme. Yeah, yeah we, we got the whole We're already whole near Boston. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so so all of this happens. The 1996, you know, catastrophe occurs. Everyone finds out. Let me guess. They still continue doing awful shit after 1996. Yep. In 1997. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I knew. Yeah. So a lot of this was actually happening as a direct result of their presence on Antiques Roadshow. People were, they weren't just hunting people down. People oh, were seeking right. them out for appraisal, which can be really important right. for even when you're just insuring something. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In 1997, a descendant of Lieutenant Colonel William R. Hunt, another Confederate, he reaches out, I'm sorry, this is actually 1996. Uh, it's very easy to get numbers mixed around for me because I have dyscalculia. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. He asked for an official appraisal of a uniform from William R. Hunt. They were actually, like, I thought this was very, very strange. Russell Pritchard III was also sort of distantly related to the Hunts. I mean, that feels like a tracks. I don't know why, but it just, it just makes sense in my mind. Now... Pritchard sends his dad to get the uniform, uh, Russell Pritchard Jr., who delivers the uniform to Russell Pritchard III, who repairs the uniform and sends it to a textiles expert to make sure it's authentic. There are a lot of... The reenactment scene has ensured that there are a lot of very clever fakes. In 97, both Pritchards tell Mr. Hunt that the uniform is sadly not authentic, and they... They it was a fake costume thing and they'd have just gone All ahead right, and given it to Goodwill. I don't get like if it's fake, you should just give it back to me. I would immediately be suspect. Just give return it back it. would be the thing. Yeah. That is hubris that is hubris. Not to mention like you can tell if something is I mean, cheap costume material is very different from like actual fabric from 1850-something. <laughs> yep. Like, I... Mm, they, were, they were too big for their scamming britches. They sold it to a private collector for $45,000, which in its own way actually made it to a Tennessee museum to the tune of $67,000. <gasps> Wait, but then didn't... Oh wait, but this was this wasn't a museum. I was gonna say if this was from the museum, they would have been like, "How did the Tennessee Museum?" Get <laughs> they that they bought outfit? it off the collector. But this, but this wasn't. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, good. But wait, there's more, and this one oh, it might be my favorite. Uh, this is actually before their stint on Antiques Roadshow because, uh, as you might have guessed from the sheer weight of all of this fraud, they've just been kind of doing this the whole time. Okay, good. But this one's funny, so I included it. Uh, in 95, AOP, AOPA, they acquired a collection of artifacts from a man by, named Ronald Weaver, which included a Sergeant's uni- Union Zouave uniform. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. It's French, and I'm not good at that language. Yeah, me neither, man. And they sold it to the National Civil War Museum for $1.8 So there's one of the ones that made it directly to the museum. Oh, hey, look at that. A legitimate business deal at long last, you think? Well, in 97, Pritchard III purchased another authentic Zouave uniform. Uh, this was just some sort of infantry. I'm not, I'm not really big into military. Someone can actually explain it better. Like, I'd love to hear you do that. Uh, it's just like a kind of infantry uniform. Um, so 
he buys another supposedly authentic uniform and finds out it's a Belgian costume. A, I'm sorry, a Belgian costume? It's a Belgian reenactment for a from a Belgian war. So it's high quality, Did but it has nothing to, to do with the, the same war. colors in both wars or something. Okay. The same design? The, yeah, generally, like, the, the design, it is oh, from the French army. So there was, like, a... So the... the, the oh, so, so the uniform design kind of trickled down, yeah. So, and so this Belgian war was around the same time, or sort of? That's interesting, like, little military fashion trickle-down economics or something there. If we give every, if we give the the military at the top the uniforms, then all the cool designs will trickle down to the smaller wars. It is a pretty cool design from the looks of it. <laughs> like, they got cool. big pants. They got big red pants. Big pants seem like a problem in war, but what do I know? Well, so does having a drum, a boy with a drum, to be murdered. But they did that too. So, <laughs> well, but you need, but you need the drum boy. Yeah. You need to like, see that boy die keep... to know that we're doing good war. <laughs> yeah, correct. You need him to. Then you just, you know, you put him on a pike, and then he's your, you know, look what they did flag. to my boy. <laughs> that was see. That was a problem with. Uh, Pickett's charge, like, he put all the drum boys in the back, and then they were able to run away and not die at the front to distract <laughs> the bullets. Yes! <laughs> uh, uh, it's, so sorry, everyone. So, they have this bullshit, it's not, it, it's not bullshit, but it's not, a, it's not a Civil War uniform. But, they also have one very important thing unfettered access to the archives of the museum great in 97 this is this is the heist scene in the movie they steal the union's wav uniform from the museum's inventory it was not on display yet and they replace it with the belgian uniform <laughs> oh god uh, the old swap swap like the size of just fraudulent nutsack here is unparalleled <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, but all right, this was 97, you said? Yeah. It was two years after they sold wouldn't, it initially to the museum. I mean, like, wouldn't the museum have fucking regular-ass cameras, like security cameras? It's not... It was not unusual for them to be there, though. I guess the uniforms look similar enough that no one, like, noticed there was a difference, so no one's, like, checking the security cam. Like, if you're a museum security guy, you check in every evening, and, like, you're going to see those guys going in and out of there. You're not even going to, like, blink twice because they're not a suspicious person, so who cares if they swap out a uniform? And Pritchard regularly did repairs. Yeah, so it's, uh, no, it wouldn't be unusual for him to so do So to your average underpaid security guard, you'd be like, well, he's probably going to fix it. He's here all the time. You know what? You know what? I God, I hate that they have that they have gotten away with. <laughs> you guys all are going to be much happier at the end of all this. It's it's. Um, oh, so they gosh. sell this to a. Say it with me now, kids. A private dealer for twenty thousand dollars. On top of the one point eight million they'd made in the collection that it was included in at the, from the first. That seems like a wild jump. Yeah. How do you get from one point <laughs> eight million to twenty k in a private sale? In addition, 
That's oh. 1.8 plus 20k. Oh, I see. They don't. They don't stole it back. It's that thing. It's that thing you do at Walmart when you steal TVs from them endlessly. Understood. Okay. So, this all goes unnoticed until the year 2000, which, like you uh, actively, pre- actively, accurately predicted, was roughly around the time people were getting into communicating via the internet. Mm-hmm. Originally, the story broke in April 2000, an issue of Civil War News. <laughs> Okay. I, which I assume Wait, they put out every month and it just says I assume the front page is just the war's still over <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the, we still lost welcome to it, one of them just says states week. rights okay. to what in big bold yeah. letters <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and from here it was picked up by the Boston Herald and from the Boston okay. Herald, it got picked up by a variety of other oh. media outlets. Oh, it was the Herald, not the Globe. I was going to say, wow, did Spotlight yeah, really take this up? But you said the Herald, so. Oh, that's okay. Now, of course, the rumors had been swirling for a while, which is how the Civil War news got together enough of this information to say, holy shit, don't do business with these guys. And PBS was sort of plugging its ears to the problem until... Uh, an underwriter of the show and an insurance company that supported the show threatened to yank all of the funding. Huh. Always until that, the money that gets point, threatened. That's the only time pe- thing anything gets done. Precisely. Uh, yeah, so that's when they decided to formally cut ties. And eventually both appraisers are brought up on fraud charges in 2001. Uh, they were indicted on many, I believe, let me see, hold on, I have this number here, 13 counts of bail, wire, and other fraud. That's all they could prove. This also included witness tampering. Uh, Apparently they were greasing palms. Uh, The FBI had begun to investigate this, which is how these fraud charges got brought up, and uh, Sadler, the which would be the man who had pretended to be Watermelon Sword Guy, they suggested that they might forgive him a $10,000 loan they'd gave him if he was willing to maybe tell the FBI something different than what had happened. Sadler very smartly said, told the FBI that they had done all of that and also threatened him. Oh <laughs> my god. Yes, that's a smarter move. <laughs> I don't think I have to pay that money back if I just put you in jail, assholes. That's the thing is... <laughs> That's the thing is, it's going to get forgotten right quick. And of a couple of days later, charges were also unloaded on Pritchard Jr., the dad, who actually ran the Philadelphia Civil War Library Museum uh, because he had been doing all this theft all of the time, constantly, constantly, constantly. So they were all brought up and they all pled guilty. They pled guilty? Wow. <laughs> there was... A lot of, uh, (laughs) there was a lot of evidence. Uh, Pickett's separate suit actually ended up becoming very important evidence. His suit? Well, he had sued them. He had sued them in a separate incident. Oh, 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 sorry. His, his, his lawsuit, not his. (laughs) No, it was, because that was a personal suit instead of, like, an actual, like. I thought we were, I thought it was going to be, like. Instead of actual criminal charges. I don't know. Sorry, I got, I got confused. Exactly. Um. Um, in addition to 
a variety of god just i think to the tune of three million in paying various various victims back mostly in the private sector because they weren't super concerned about the museum apparently uh i don't know this is all okay this part is extremely alleged uh tm 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 this is not this is my opinion and not a matter of legal there are a lot of people who were suspicious that the mayor of Harrisburg was in on this. Because you note that they were telling the mayor of Harrisburg that they were essentially stalking and doing psychological manipulation to a man to force things out of his hands. Which means the mayor was aware that they were underhanded, at least. Oh, oh, right! That's right, because you read that, you read an excerpt of that letter earlier. Or, I think it was a letter, right? Yeah. Basically, it was just... Um, the, the level of involvement is just that the museum should have been asking more questions than they were. Which is not a crime. They were never brought up on charges. Yeah. But but I will say, yeah, it's not awesome. Doesn't sound great. Uh, I couldn't find what uh, Pritchett, Pritchett, Pritchard the Jr. was brought up, was eventually sentenced to. Yeah, you guys all take a crack at what Juno and Pritchard the Third got sentenced? Four years. Uh, parole <laughs> with an ankle monitor. Not parole. What? What is? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, probation. Probation with an ankle monitor. Parole is when you're already in the in the prison and then they let you out. Probation. He got <laughs> Pritchard the Third got a year and a day. <laughs> Oh man, George See, Juno I, got six months. Oh. All right, I already lost. I overbid on Civil War Prices Right again. Yeah, I I underbid, but I think really bad at this game. Yeah, it's hard. Wait, so but they but they had to pay all the money back, right? Yeah, but did that happen? Uh, I couldn't actually find any evidence of whether or not that happened. Oh, God. That is not a matter of court record, unfortunately. Oh, damn. I hope it did. Uh, okay. So, after they got out of prison, they still kept on scamming, though, right? No. No. Uh, no? I believe Pritchard III is actually still in prison uh, okay. because charges kind of the charges start coming and they don't stop coming. Uh, more and more oh. people were coming forward realizing they'd been had. Oh, sick. Okay, okay. I'm down with this. So I believe Pritchard III is currently still in jail. Um, I believe oh, the good. last sentencing was in 2009. And Juno uh, was not. Juno got to plead off an awful lot on saying that he was just kind of going along with stuff. Oh, that sucks. And I believe uh, I believe Pritchard, Pritchard... Pritchard... Oh my god, I'm getting all these names fucked up. Pritchett Jr. was sent only served a year. But they didn't go on to keep scamming? I'm really surprised at that. Uh, no, their names are destroyed. Yeah, you, you if you're like at that high level right there, who's buying from you after the internet age, right? Like you just Google these dudes and the lawsuits are all over the place. And this had started on TV, so everyone knew what they looked like. Yeah, but like as somebody who has has consumed an embarrassing amount of content about internet scammers... It seems like people pretty easily change their name, slightly alter their appearance, and continue to scam. Like, whether it's Catfish or, like, 
that guy who romanced women, I forget, from Israel. Like, sure, it just seems... But you don't have to have, like, professional credentials to rely upon when you're catfishing people across the ocean, right? Like, these guys, they were getting a lot of mileage out of the fact that they kind of worked for, you know, these very large Civil War historical institutions or for the mayor of Philadelphia. Just some Joe Schmo rolling up to you and being like, yo, I can sell your general's cap for $80,000. You're probably not going to listen to unless you can see some credentials. No, I, I, I very much feel that they could have continued scamming because people right now, as we speak, are out there scamming with less. So I, I don't think anyone asks for shit. They don't ask for fucking, let me see your appraisal papers. Like if you just in your if you just endear yourself enough to someone, they will swallow any shit that you try to stuff in their mouth, especially when you're promising them money. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But uh the like the only the, the kink into that is just that um like I've suggested before, civil war items, especially at the level that these guys were dealing at, is super, super competitive. There's a lot of yeah, scrutiny there because there's tons of reproductions in the market alone. So really, it's I would call it an extremely suspicious area to be doing business. I mean, like in terms of behavior, you would be acting very suspicious at all times. Yeah, I guess I well, I guess I I guess I should have been specific. I didn't expect that they would continue to scam on Civil War stuff, but they could have they could have changed it up. They could have oh, been just like, like switch their scam game into like I don't know right. like old Nintendo sixty four games. Yeah, <laughs> or like fucking Beanie Babies, right? Or Velvet Unicorns, you know, whatever. I still got the whatever. skill set, guys. Yeah, and who knows? Yeah, Maybe just... they will. Oh, wait, wouldn't they be? Are they? How old are they? It's twenty twenty two. I actually have no idea how old they are. Oh, I don't know why I had the image in my mind of of older people when you were giving the story. Perhaps it was just the the thirds and the fifths I was... Because they were dealing in Civil War antiques, which is not a young man's game. Yeah, yeah, that's probably... I don't see a lot of 20-year-olds up in here rolling through. (laughs) Hey, do you have a lock of General Schmo's hair? I really need it for my 21st birthday. My friends are going to be so impressed. Like, yeah, you're right. That, that, That is probably where I got that from. Okay, uh, Pritchard III was 46 as of 2009. Okay. Okay, so it's in his 60s now. Yeah. So, honestly, not that old. He's still got some scamming years in him. Yeah, he's got... He really got, wants to get in. Yeah, man, he's still got some... still probably got a couple decades of scamming left. That's, that's I, concerning. I'm not convinced... My concern is... My, my, my concern... The reason why I wouldn't be concerned is just that I don't know that they're good at anything else. <laughs> mm, so you think they're not capable of switching up the game and being like, we're actually World War II experts or like Beanie Baby experts or Carnival Glass or Uranium Glass. Like, you don't think that that would do I it? Think, I think they absolutely could. I think it would be really difficult mm. just based yeah. on just based on the fact that everyone has access to the Internet now. So yeah. cross-checking rough values is way easier to do. That's very true. This is the one thing where having more information accessible on the internet actually works the way you think it will. Unlike everything else. <laughs> where like literally every other goddamn thing. Yeah, like where this this font of information and accessibility has actually just made people susceptible to various untrue things. But yeah, in this one respect, 
Antiques appraisals. The internet is here for you. We'll always be here for you. Yeah, I actually... uh, Some people have suspected and suggested that Civil War antiques right now are a more stable market than both cryptocurrency and the US dollar. I was gonna say, are we gonna talk about NFTs? No, Uh, I don't need to talk about (laughs) NFTs after this. You know, I don't need... I don't need to talk about crypto either. Those are just the beanie babies of our fucking generation. You don't um, want you don't want to buy the Pickett the Fifth Pickett's Charge Failure <laughs> NFT. <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'm all set. Really hot on the Civil War market. <laughs> oh God! And hey, so look, it's that- a picture of an ape dressed as a former <laughs> Civil War general that's failing and dying. It's the you only actually, one. Can I, I might buy see that the one. Moment. <laughs> See the moment where his heart rips in half. <laughs> oh yeah, well no. I, see now you're talking about NFTs. I might be suckered into. I, I would like to own that. Uh, just kidding. I'll right click it. <laughs> that is that is horrifying though. That's that there have economists made this assessment or is this just like an this armchair is enthusiasts, thing? But enthusiasts, it's kind of an armchair okay. thing. Okay. Still, but like the, the civil war does exist in this extremely weird, uh, perfect storm of collectability. Mm. It happened on American soil. It was an extremely short war, and it both happened outside of living memory, but surprisingly close to it. So you have like you have proximity in both like geographical location and through time, and it's it was a short lived war. Therefore, the number of goods is small, which makes them like collectible and and desirable. Highly collectible. You you know, you can't just like get a ceremonial sword anywhere. Apparently, Um, (laughs) yeah. So so, yeah, yeah, unlike unlike World War One and World War Two, which the scale of them meant that uh, a they're both bummers to collect. So it does take a kind of special person, (laughs) and b the scale means that the artifacts are numerous. But the well, Civil War, I, while like- it, I don't want to say the Civil War happened on a small scale. It was absolutely enormous. But compared to the world, you know, it's much more limited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and definitely still a bummer, though. Like, I, of yeah, that's a the similar thing is, flavor. I feel like it actually is distant enough in, in, in history that people are a little bit numb to what a bummer it was. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's not like... <laughs> it's not like in the U.S. we have people who are like... Yeah, I wish the Nazis won World War Two. You know, like I that still seems to be a <laughs> wouldn't pretty... that be fucked up? There's some though. There's some though. Oh, I'm sure there are, but they are. I think they're a very tiny minority compared to the number of people who are like the Confederacy should have won. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, that's, yeah. There's there's been a lot of that's the thing is the information disseminated about the Civil War is uh should be reviewed when you are hearing it. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. Uh, not to not to use it twice in one episode, but states' rights to what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, yeah uh, I'm going to apologize off the front if I've got anything wrong. This is actually a really difficult timeline to put back together. Um, it exists almost solely in court documents and news reports. I mean, that's some old-fashioned research, there, D. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, thankfully, a lot of that's been digitized, so. Still. 
Uh, the Lost Media subreddit, you can actually still watch the clip featuring the watermelon sword. Oh. Oh, delightful. Steve must have been a really good actor, I guess, because so many people believed. I watched it, and let's just say so-so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he didn't have a career ahead of him or anything. No, I don't think so. Watermelon sword. Unless he wants to be a professional stool pigeon because he was good at singing. Oh! <laughs> oh! Got him. Wow. Roasted that pigeon. Yeah, those feathers went up in flames just like a clown's hat. Sorry, Steve, but you robbed us of our <sighs> actual watermelon sword in this content, so... Yeah, now I'm just sat here thinking, like, fuck, when am I next going to be able to get a watermelon? Because it's not... I don't think they're in season until next month. Oh, I mean, every store ever is still selling, like, cut-up watermelons just because they're out of season. You can still get them. Yeah. yeah. But My favorite thing is uh, when I go to Casey's house, because she cuts up the rind for the chickens, is that she saves the sweet, sweet guts, like, only the best parts, and I get to eat Ooh, those. Nice. Is she some kind of monster that doesn't eat watermelon? No, she does. It's just that, you know, when I'm around, she doesn't get to, because I eat it all. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm with you there, because I am also, I am, God, I am a watermelon-consuming monster. Like, if you just give me a whole watermelon and a spoon, that'll just be my dinner in the summertime. Like, oh, I yeah, just, totally I can't, oh, fuck yeah. I can't resist. Oh, hell yeah. Cool, cause, and it's so full of water that it actually fills you up pretty well for a little while, so, like, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good in the summer. Summer dinner, whole-ass watermelon and a spoon. You Try not to really cut it need. with any historically important swords. I was going to say, maybe <laughs> what you really need is a sword to cut that watermelon up into nice, easily digestible pieces. Oh my god, you know what? I do live in a converted attic. So if I oh. got a sword oh. and a watermelon, I could relive this this tale of watermelon sword attic <laughs> The watermelon sword nonsense. cosplay. Yes, I could do cosplay it. as Let's Steve. Let's get together and make it happen. Oh lord. Uh, well, this is... This is fascinating. I now have, you know, wow, I now have more scam artists to to detest. Um, I, I'm i just fascinated that people are able to get away with stuff for so long. I mean, at least they finally went to prison and had to pay things back. That makes yeah, me feel... Yeah, at least some teaspoons of justice happened here. Yeah, yeah. A little that, bit. That's, that's okay. Sources for this episode today include uh, grunge.com. <laughs> Uh, what? What? Uh, the, yeah, I don't know. Lane Staley involved with this somehow? <laughs> it's uh, Kurt Cobain, yeah, Nordic Watermelon Sword user. Yeah, it's their article, The Antiques Roadshow Fraud Incident Explained. Um, Civil War News, their 2000 edition, April. NewYorkTimes.com, Antiques Dealer Accused of Staging TV Appraisals. NewYorkPost.com, Highway Robbery Antiques Roadshow Boots Pair of Dealers Over $35,000 Sword Scam. MilitaryTrader.com, which actually is one of the best sources for news about these two. Um, they are the ones who actually had the archived newspapers that I read. Oh, there we go. Interesting. And AntiquesAndTheArts.com. Article, Russ Pritchard III and Georgia Juno Indicted for Fraud. Nice. Oh man, this is uh Thank you good. for I'm telling us at... the tale of the watermelon sword scandal, D. I am looking up pictures uh, of the people Thank you guys involved. so much for thank you guys so much for joining. Yeah, I um, had such a good time telling the story. To all this nonsense. 
<laughs> yeah, you guys got to like a nice relaxing. Just hear me talk about some shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, thanks for having oh, us I'm on. Oh, put made Paris sweepy too. Well, no. Sorry, oh, so I'm, this is the bedtime I'm, story. I'm, <laughs> tonight we're gonna read the tale of the watermelon sword. Oh my god, that's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite story. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Mr. Loser Man couldn't sell time? his stuff. <laughs> Pick it, the story of how he fucked up big time. Yeah. <laughs> It all starts with the man who couldn't war. <laughs> the idiot traitors who could not win the war. Oh. All right. Amazing. Okay, so uh, our friends at TBC, where can our listeners find you guys for more hijinks? Uh, you can find us on any podcast app on terriblebookclub.com or on youtube.com slash terrible book club or maybe slash c slash terrible book club i forget we have a channel it's called terrible book club go there uh yeah so uh you can hear us talk about books that we presume to be bad and then you get to hear us review it and tell you whether or not our prediction proved true we have read everything from self-help books about how to drink water to fiction books about dragons and weird internet people books where we've got everything so so come on over come on over and learn about bad books with terrible book club <laughs> uh any other projects you want to pitch uh we do some music paris is in a band called concilium i'm in a band called graveborn i also make electronic music under the moniker yearn which you can hear as terrible book club's uh theme song i do a little bit of that too um, so you can check those out, yearn.bandcamp.com, gravebornma.bandcamp.com, concilium, C-O-N-C-I-L-I-U-M.bandcamp.com. Uh, I'm also in a Dungeons of Project called Dark Vestige, so if you like Dead Can Dance and other such things, you can check out uh, darkvestige.bandcamp.com. Oh, I do like Dead Can Dance. Yeah, me too, man. This is a very fun thing I did. <laughs> Looking forward to doing more of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Well, until next time, D. Farewell. Bye. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.